It's uh, good to be here. And uh, I uh, have to tell you a story <coughs> because there's something I would, I would like to share, and this story is going to tell it somewhat. Paul Sharp from Michigan, most of you would know him, maybe not everyone does, but he was a pastor up there in, in uh, a church. And uh, his funeral was on Saturday. He died. So the funeral was on Saturday, and we did not know it in time, so we didn't, we didn't go. But he told me this story some time ago, and I, I guess I would say that I'm, I, as you know, I'm just a, a fill-in now, you know, so I'm, I'm filling in for James. He asked me if I would. But this story was that Paul told me, he said that, that uh, someone went to a church, and I know that I've told some of you this story already, but someone, pastor, went was asked to come in and, and take his place one Sunday. So he went, and when he got there and started his uh, sermon, he said, Now, I want you to know that I'm just a, a fill-in. He said, Whenever a window is broken in a house, you know, a pane is, is broken, then a lot of people just put a piece of cardboard in, you know, to, to fill in, you know. And uh, that's, that's what I am, just a, a piece of cardboard. You know. So he went on with his sermon, and afterwards, after the sermon, the church was dismissed, a lady came up to him and said, no, she said, you're not a piece of cardboard, you're a real painter. <laughs> so... If you feel that way, oh, I please don't tell me. <laughs> but I would like to say this, you know, I, I, uh, how should I say it? I appreciate the, uh, the uh, ministry here, and I think we have a good set of brethren for the ministry. And I think it, it's nice and polite if uh, after a sermon people come up, uh, we go up to the ministry and tell them that we appreciated the sermon. But I think added on to that, I think the ministry would appreciate it if the people would say, you know, I've been going through some real struggles recently. And this has really helped me to understand where I'm at. But just to go up and say I appreciated the message is not enough. Say why you appreciated the message. I think it will, it will bless them more than twice what it will if you just say I appreciated the message. Tell them why. What it did for you. How you were helped how you were blessed. Uh, and then, on the other hand, don't stay there and talk with him 
for 15 minutes, and everybody's going because other people would like to do the same thing. So if you take up all this time, hey, guess what? So I, I, I'm just giving that as an encouragement, you know, how we can help and encourage and be a blessing to uh, the ministry. We were in Florida last winter, <coughs> and by the way, I'm planning on talking on discipleship. I guess I'm kind of out of the, the groove, and I didn't get to, or I, I would have gotten to it, but I didn't uh, call Cheryl and tell her what the message was going to be about. Fact is, I forgot about it, you know, so... So, uh, in, I'll just give my personal testimony. We like to get the, the people to uh, read their Bibles. You know, just encourage people to read and, and find out for yourself what God wants you to do. And, you know, uh, if a person doesn't have to, it's easy to put off Bible reading, to neglect it. But when you're in the ministry, you know, you, my, my thing has been that you get finished with one sermon and right away you're looking for, some, for another one. You know, you're never, never at ease, you know. And so you're always reading. I did a lot of reading. I have shelves of books that I read in, in you know, you just do a lot of reading, Bible, other books, and, and you're looking for a message. So we get to read a lot. But, you know, if you don't have to, it's easy to neglect Bible reading. Very easy. And there's nothing that the devil would like for us to do more than neglect to read God's Word. If he can put something in there that you're too busy or it's too late, or, you know, the, the devil makes so many excuses. You come up with so many things that you have to do, and I'll come back to it later. Oh, yeah, come back to it later, right. Later never happens, you know, at least in that respect. Tell you another story. We went to Florida last winter, and... Uh, Walked into, we went to my brother's house, and while we were there, this lady came in that uh, is my first cousin, and she is a decorator. She comes in and decorates houses and is, I guess, educated in, in that way where you, they'll come in and set things up and make them look nice. And so... She and my sister-in-law were in the bedroom, and she was working on the walls, you know, and decorating them. So I figured, well, I, I don't see her very often. I'll go just go in and talk with her a little bit. And I, was, I walked in there, and the moment that I got in there, this lady just went on a rampage, and she was telling me, 
Nobody is going to come and tell me what to do. And da, 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 on she went. And just, it was just, I kind of got scared. And I believe the reason that the Lord wanted me to go in there was because this lady was in trouble. I mean, she was demon-possessed. And I did not take, uh, I'm not sure, maybe it was because I had too many other things on my mind, but I did not take the opportunity to rebuke the devil and cast out that demon that was in her. I mean, it was scary. I got out of there, and I was shaking. And that was my first cousin. I thought, what is going on with this lady? And, but I never did anything about it. You know. And, and I, I believe the Lord would have wanted me to do something about that. She goes into studying Ouija boards and, and all kinds of, of palm reading and things like that. It, it was awful. I was scared. All night long, I was just shaking from that experience. And I should have, by the grace of God, I should have taken control of that in the name of Jesus and helped that lady out of that situation. Later on, people told me that they, not, they don't even allow her to come into their house because of the way that she acts you know, or talks. Okay. Now, to get on with the message, I'd like to talk about discipleship this morning, and I'd like for you to turn to Luke chapter 14. We will read from verse 25 to 35. This is the parable that Jesus is, is uh, teaching us again. Verse 25 of Luke 14 says like this. And there, went, and there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath he cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor yet for the downhill, but man cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. 
God and Father in heaven, we bow before you this morning again. We just want to thank you for this passage of scripture and pray that we might be able to understand it and receive a blessing from it because of thy anointing upon it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As I looked at this passage, there were several things that I uh, took note of. And, uh, and one of the things that uh, he talks about is the conditions for discipleship. We uh, noticed that there was a crowd, a multitude of people were following Jesus. A multitude. That means, I don't know how many is in a multitude, but I would guess it's a lot more than we have in this building. They were following Jesus. Now, were all these people followers of Jesus, or were they just following him because of something that they had heard, some miracle that Jesus had done? Or, or why was this multitude of people following him? We would like to ask the question, were they all Christians that were following Jesus? Now, they could not be in the sense that you and I are Christians today. But were they all really desiring to be disciples of Jesus Christ? And so, having said all the stories and, and things that Jesus did, he turned around and talked to these people. And he said, if any man, to these, all these people that were following him, going wherever they were going, they were following Jesus, and he said, Whoever wants to follow me and he does not no and he does not leave his father and his mother or hate his hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Now when we look at the word hate here, we think well that's almost it. It's unreal that Jesus is asking us to hate people, isn't it? Doesn't it seem unreal when he says that if we don't love everyone, we are in jeopardy, or we are, we are not what, what we should be. We hate someone. And instead, he tells us that we should love one another. So I think the word hate here has a different idea than what we get when we read the King James Version of hate. It means something different. Now let's go back to the account in Genesis about uh, Ab or was it Lot? No, I mean uh, Jacob's two wives that he had. And he loved the one more than he did the other one. Now did he hate Leah? I don't think he did. But he loved Rachel more than he did Leah. It's not that he didn't love her. I would say he did. But he loved Rachel more. So the word hate here, he's not saying that we should hate our mother and father. Or that we should hate our brother or sister. 
How well could a family get together if they would hate one another? In other words, hate would have the idea, I would like to murder you. I would like to kill you, get rid of you. That's what I think of when I hate, when I think of, of uh, hate, hating someone. Now, I never hated anyone bad enough that I would have liked to kill him, that I know of anyhow. But there were some people that I sure didn't like very well, but I have learned to love them since Jesus came into my life and took over. Now, I think what Jesus is asking us here is that we love Jesus more than we love anything, anyone, or anything else. Anything. We love Jesus more. An example. Francis Schaeffer, I don't know if you know of this writer, but when he was going to high school, he became a Christian. He was raised in a family that was not Christian at all. They were unbelievers, and that, that was his family. So he became a Christian, and when he, in high school, he became a Christian, and when his father found out that he was a Christian, he did not like that Francis Schaeffer became a Christian. After a while, and he let Francis Schaeffer know that. After a while, Francis Schaeffer came home and told his dad, he said, I am going to college to be a minister or a pastor. And his dad said, you are not going to college to be a minister. I want no child of mine to be a minister of the gospel. Francis Schaeffer didn't know what to do about this. He was torn, just about torn in half, that his dad told him that he couldn't go and do what he came to love, the Lord Jesus Christ. But here his dad was wanting to stand in the way. So Francis Schaeffer decided, well, I am just going to pray about this. And so he went and he prayed to the Lord Jesus and, and to God and, and told him what all was going on in his family. And not long after he started praying, uh, Francis Schaeffer's dad came to him and he said, while I don't agree to being a minister of the gospel, I want you to know that I will pay one year's tuition for you to go to that college. Just look at the way God can change the picture if we follow him. Now, did Francis Schaeffer hate his dad for saying that? No. But Francis Schaeffer thought that he was going to go anyhow. Sometimes, for us to make a decision, we have to go against that which our parents would want us to do. Sorry to say that, but there are people that really have to do that. And that is just saying that we put above, we put our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ above anything else, above our parents, above our brothers or sisters, above anything that we have here in this life, 
Jesus becomes first. Now, does that mean that when I become a disciple then of Jesus Christ that I have to get rid of everything that I have and sell it? Sell everything, sell my, my house, and, and I need to give my wife up to someone else because I'm not allowed to have any of that stuff? No, it does not mean that at all. This word hate does not mean that. It means that nothing else is going to stand in the way of, of my relationship with Jesus Christ. I am committed, whether it means life or death, I am committed to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we have heard the story already of people that have done that and the Lord, were they just give, given, were they supposed to give all their money away now that they're a Christian? No. What we do is we give the deed, the title to the Lord Jesus Christ of our property. We give our car. We give our wife, we give our children over to the Lord. He now becomes Lord over everything that I have. So my decisions are based upon a disciple of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, if you don't do that, you cannot be my disciple. That puts a different weight on this, discipleship. You cannot, three different times, he uses this word, you cannot be my disciple. If the things of this world cause you to have more love for it or them than for the Lord Jesus Christ, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And here was this crowd, multitude of people, and Jesus said to them, hey, if you want to be my disciple, and you don't want to follow me, you cannot be my disciple. <coughs> Strong words indeed. Discipleship is more than just a commitment to something, to the Torah, like in the Old Testament, and traditions, or a set of rules. And some people think that if I would join this church and just be obedient to the rules that they have, that's not really discipleship. I'm not, I'm not against rules or saying that we shouldn't have rules, but that is not true discipleship. True discipleship is our love and commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're not willing to do that, you cannot be my disciple, he said. For whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you intending to build a tower, or you intend to do something, build something, and you lay a foundation and you build something on that rod. If you go down 331 on the uh, west side of 331, a man built a garage there. I don't know how long ago, I don't just remember 
if we were here when he did that or not. It seems to me that we were. But the garage was up in frame. The frame was there, but they never put any siding on it. They just put a roof and the frame of a garage. And I know that everyone's like, what's wrong with that person? It's been that way for years and years, just the frame. Now, didn't he have enough of money to finish it? Or did he spend his money on other things? I don't know. I don't need to know. But it looks very strange. And that's why the Bible says that when you do that, people will laugh at you. <laughs> what's wrong with that man? Why, building half of a, of a building and then letting it set there. That's a waste of money. We can make all kinds of statements about that man. That's what Jesus is saying. Who would want to go halfway with the Lord Jesus Christ and then give up? Just let your life go to meaningless. <coughs> or who, what kind of a king would go out against an army that's coming to him with like 20,000 people? He would, first of all, to be wise, he would sit down and consult his leaders with him. Can we do this? And he has to be hasty about it because the other army is coming already. And so they have to make a quick decision. And they tell me that an army with less people, a lot of times, is stronger against the other army is stronger than the other army is. Whether that be so or not, I don't know. But they, he, he, he decides as to whether they want to go. Now, they decide if we don't go, if we don't do anything, and we just sit here, what are the consequences going to be? So we might as well go because we're going to fight one way or another, so we might as well go. And the idea here is that if we don't become true disciples of Jesus Christ, there's going to be severe consequences. The consequences are severe if we don't make a true commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. There are consequences. You don't have to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ or a real disciple of Jesus Christ but you have to suffer the consequences whether you like it or not. That is true. So the best way is give everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Give everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Allow him to lead you. Allow him to help you make decisions. You know, sometimes we make hasty decisions and we've done it too quick and later on, we're sorry that we made that, that kind of a, de a decision. When you become a true disciple and follower of Jesus Christ, he will help you to make decisions. You don't have to make those on your own. God worketh that 
out of you. Uh, Paul tells us in the book Philippians, God works out of you. And that means that he is able to help you to make a decision that is for his glory. That's what we want. Something that is for his glory. Why would we want to do it our own way? As Christians, we make decisions based upon the word. In order to know the word, we need to read the word. We need to become familiar with the word. What the word says, this book, the Bible, read it often. And I'm saying that most of all to myself because, like I said, it's easy to put it off. Very easy to put off reading the Bible. Jesus speaks of loyalty. Discipleship is different than just making a commitment to something. Discipleship means making a commitment to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Taking his cross daily. Now I realize that there are, and I have seen people, they take a cross, make a cross, and they put a wheel on the bottom end of it. And then they carry this across the United States. Is that true discipleship? It could be. It could be what Jesus is asking them to do. I don't know. But discipleship is not commitment to something. It's commitment to a person. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. True commitment. Jesus teaches us how to live good, fulfilled lives. Not maybe all the way that we thought it should go, but the way that he thinks it should go. He will teach us the right way. I must love nothing more or no one more than Jesus Christ. Okay, let's go on here. So in verse 33, so likewise, whoever he be of you forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 34, salt is good, but if salt hath lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but man cast it out. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Salt that we have today has been refined and, and we can use it in a salt shaker or put a pinch of salt in, in this food, you know, and, and, and it'll change the flavor and the taste and everything. But in the Bible times when this was written, salt was not purified like it is, or refined, I should say, like it is today. It, uh, it, was, it came in big chunks, and so they put these chunks, it was, it, that even fit to be put on the road to walk upon, you know, it was uh, big chunks, and uh, now that's different, but back there it wasn't, and that's why it, it talks about it's uh, not even fit for the Dunhill, it has, it Dunhill, it has uh, lost its saltiness. So it says that 
The Bible tells us that we should be what? An anthill? The power of the world? The salt of life? The salt of the earth? The Christians are to be that. And if we aren't good, faithful disciples, we aren't the salt of the earth. We're just on the earth. But Jesus wants us to be the salt of the earth. And salt gives good flavor to food. Salt in the Christian will bring good flavor to an unbelieving world. And our world that we're living in today is fast becoming an unbelieving society. So you and I, as disciples, are the salt of the earth. We bring flavor to people that have no flavor. They have no salt. They don't know what a good taste is. So you and I are called upon to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. <coughs> so everything that we have, our families, our wives, children, husband, whatever you have, we give to the Lordship. We give him, we give to him to be Lord of everything. That's what the Lord wants. He wants to be Lord of everything in our life. We should be good stewards of our time, of our place, of our money, and everything that we have, yeah. But does God own everything that we have? God can take care of a vehicle like I can't. He has done wonderful things for our vehicle and our our Dodge van is, uh, he hasn't fixed the rusty spots. I've tried to already, but haven't done a very good job. But, and I'm not saying that he'll fix all the rusty spots for you, but tell you what, he can do, do things for a vehicle that I can't do. He can make them run when I thought, and the, and the garage man told me, you ought to buy a new vehicle, that thing's dying. Well, everything that we have is dying. So, bless the Lord. You know, it's just, I, I just want to encourage everyone to be a good disciple of Jesus Christ. Because if we do some of these other things, you cannot be my disciple. Shall we pray? Our Father, this morning we come to thee in the, this hour of uh, listening speaking. Our hearts have been searched this morning. You've spoken to us. And I would just pray if there are those in here this morning that really need to make a, a new commitment to you, Lord Jesus, that we all may do so now. Today is the best time to become a disciple of Jesus Christ because you know the future. You know what the future holds and, and we don't. But we trust you. And we want to thank you that we have such a loving, 
God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that is concerned, concerned about the very minutest things in our lives. We thank you for that. And I would pray for everyone in here, regardless of what they're going through, the struggles that we may have, we may turn everything over to you and let you show us the way and what it means to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.